Yes, hello. It's Jason Liu. Welcome back to the Ultra Culture Podcast. Hello, hi. Have you downloaded our free meditation yet? It's phenomenal. Start.magic.me. Start.magic.me. We spent a lot of time on this thing. It is phenomenal. It's a daily meditation that will unleash your true self, awaken you to the power of magic and allow you to manifest your goals and everything that you're trying to get done in this life right now. And of course, it is completely free, 100% free. You will, of course, be added to our mailing list when you sign up for the meditation, but there is tons, tons of good stuff on that list, including announcements of new podcasts, new events, new free stuff, new content. It's great. Check it out. Start dot magic dot me start dot m-a-g-i-c-k dot m-e and may all your wildest dreams come true this week all right our guest today is jessa reed she is an excellent comedian and podcaster we had a great conversation we actually had the conversation in person as well the video is on our youtube which you should also subscribe to it's magic dot me on youtube funnily enough go check it out we have the video there and strap in you will really really enjoy this conversation okay thank you for uh being on the first live podcast or the second live podcast podcast we've done since COVID. Oh, okay. No pressure. But the first one we, we've done in like a long time. So um, I'm really, I'm really grateful you could come out. So um, meeting aliens on meth P. I just want to, <laughs> I just want to start with that. I, let's just get straight to it. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's talk about that. Let's talk about um, alien schools and higher dimensions that you meet through um, hard drugs, please. Okay. All right. Right into it. Um, I have the same stool from Target. This is from, yeah, is is from Target. Target. I like that. And then there's just kind of standard stuff I've noticed. It's do we all just have our windowsills yeah. lined? We're, we're all mass produced people. Yeah, we, we are just the same person. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, a little bit uh, behind the scenes of how the sausage is made is uh, meth pee, you know, required me to consolidate a lot of experiences. So I didn't actually meet aliens on meth pee, but it did happen around that era of time. Uh, I did math from the time I was 22 um, until, uh, I don't know, 28 or something. And about a year in, January of 2000, I had a near-death experience, which was, who knows what it was caused by, GHB, maybe somebody trying to kill me, something. Oh, God, that's, that's, that's dark. Yeah, that's it's, dark. it's really... <laughs> you, know, you know when you're, it's like GHB is like, you know when you're taking like hub... That's for, made for cleaning hubcaps, right? Oh, well, GHB I took on purpose. That I took well, on it's, purpose, it's, but it's a toss-up. Someone between... I met told me it was really fun, but yeah. Yeah, it is fun, but it is, it is really a crapshoot of whether or not that cap... That capful is gonna gonna send you to another dimension. But I woke up. I, mean, I haven't told the story in a long time. I woke up in just a blue light. I died. I died at a club called the Ohm. Um, As you because do. Reality's not real. And I woke up in a blue ball of light. I don't even know how I knew it was a ball. It was just a blue room. And back then, the only way I could describe it is when the the DVD player or the VCR was like off but you still had it on that channel it was that color blue and i didn't have a body 
And I was a part of this thing, but I was also myself. I would now describe that as eight dimensional reality, but I had no, I had no way to describe any of this back then. Sounds familiar. Yeah. And then, um, the, the thing communicated with me without words, but then my brain translated it to words when I came back and it was essentially like, uh, you could stay here if you want. Like you learned everything you had to learn. You did everything you had to do, like whatever you came to do in this lifetime. So you can stay here if you want, which was like the best Molly. That's what, that's the only way I know how to describe it. Just like rolling vibration, kind of orgasmic. I'm sure it gets old after a little while, but I was feeling it in this moment. And, uh, it said you could stay here, which seemed like the good option. Like the way they presented it was like, you know, you could have, um, this ice cream sundae, but we could really use you eating the liver, you know, if, if you could, if you was don't it, mind, was it like a gamble? Like you could, it's kind of like you can double down on the table now that you've won, but you might lose everything type of Ooh, thing. Ooh, That's a good way to describe it. No, it kind of seemed like I had some sort of, uh, had some sort of, I don't know, contract or I don't know. It was like, Hey, we've prepared you. Now I would say it was like, Hey, we've, we've kind of watched you. We've prepared you for this moment. You want to go do this thing. So they said, uh, it, whatever the, the awareness said, um, we could use your help. You have a job for you if you want to take the job. And it was about helping people. And I said, what people? And then it took me back to my present moment where I'm in a hospital. It shows me the people that, you know, I, I didn't go on to help, but, um, so I ended up saying yes. And both times I went back into my body, I had to live my entire life to get to the present moment, which I don't know if that's what people are describing as your life flashing before your eyes. I pictured that like a movie, you know, was it really fast or like in real time? But I was like, so when I woke up, I was sucking my thumb because I was a baby a, a, a millisecond ago. And I was immediately, and whatever, I'm like a year into meth addiction now. So we're all a little unhinged and I'm so grateful after watching people go through an awakening in a normal life. I'm so grateful. <laughs> I was with meth addicts. My God. I, cause you know, I was, I was, I was wacky for the next few years, but you know, nobody was anyway. So, uh, we're in the Jack in the box drive through after the hospital. And I'm like, I met God. And at this time I, I believe myself to be a backslidden Christian. Cause I had done a five year, uh, stint in Christianity before, um, before, you know, comedy and then meth. And, uh, I'm driving everyone nuts. I'm like, I met God. Reality's not what we think it is. And a lot of this wasn't said to me. I just came back knowing I suddenly knew things. And when I first woke up in the hospital, um, I could, I could hear the thoughts of, and you know, do you hear thoughts at times? Sure. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, it's not like words in your head, but you can, you can feel the, the, the subtext. I try not to. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wish I could turn it off. So, I was just suddenly aware of things and I could see things. You know how, when you go through like an awakening, suddenly every, the world looks like a movie set, you know, or some sort of glitching video game. And I went back to a house. I got left alone at this house for five days. And in those five days, uh, started what I call alien school. I think I stole that from Tim Dillon called me that on a podcast, but you were going to start an alien school or you were in alien school? alien school. I told this story once on, on a different podcast and they named the episode alien school. And then I was like, Oh, that's really good. So that's not mine. I took it. But, um, 
it, but it felt very much like school. And I've heard other people describe this where, um, your dreams take place. It looks like an empty abandoned school, kind of like a school at summertime when there's no classes there. And that's where the aliens came in and they don't, I didn't have any typical, it was just in my dreams and they look pretty standard alien ish, but they're like, you could put your finger through them. I don't think they would want you to put, but they're like, <laughs> it would, that my, would only be fair after they do it to us. So you yeah, know. they were like plasma, which I guess is a, I guess is a thing, but I, yeah. Anyway, so they're like vibrating energy. They didn't have feet. That was one thing that they like float and their feet kind of taper off at the bottom. And they taught me a bunch of stuff about how reality actually works. And the gist was just that reality's a video game. Sorry, can I put my phone yeah, on this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, reality's a video game, essentially, for lack of a better word. It is some sort of immersive experience thing. And that the experience that we've been having is switching to a different experience. And I didn't have categories of reason for a lot of this stuff when they were describing it to me. And now 20 years later, I'm like, oh, oh, that's what that meant. Oh, that's what that meant. But it was basically the end of duality, I guess, like the end of the, they called it parameters. I guess now we would call it constructs of right and wrong would cease to exist, light and dark would cease to exist, male and female would cease to exist. And now I see the disillusion of these boundaries as we are realizing that we all have masculine and feminine energy and that light and dark are two ends of the same spectrum rather than two opposite um, separate things. And uh, they said we were in a, a 3D fear-based reality and we were going into a... Um, higher dimensional, uh, feminine, which I now would know means like receptive, creative, um, uh, reality based on love, which is what we're all calling 5d now, you know? So it's hard now. Cause I've had, I've taken in all this new awareness. So I'm trying to get back to what they specific, specifically said back then. But, um, uh, yeah. So then I was, uh, really bummed after about six months that I didn't stay in the, not even six months, probably a couple months that I didn't stay in the blue ball of light. Hmm. Felt like a huge mistake. I you had mean after coming back down and just dealing with reality. Yeah. Yeah. You have this impression that all I have to do is tell everyone this isn't real. <laughs> and and then they're going yes. to be like, oh, God, okay. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, <let me laughs> oh, you have this impression that you're going to have community and that yeah, people are that's going a funny to. One, right? <laughs> and mm -hmm. then you find out this is the most isolating oh, no. experience of your entire life, even when the other people are high on meth. So I couldn't make anyone else see it. I couldn't. Uh, I I couldn't articulate it to anyone. I would point it out. And I think that I was waiting for this my entire life. I think when I was young, reality didn't ever feel right to me. What people said it was, it seemed insane. You know, when you start to learn like, oh, Santa Claus isn't real. The Easter Bunny's not real. Magic's not real. I was like, mm -hmm. magic's not real. That one doesn't seem true. I don't think I ever bought it's, into that's Santa. That's not true. So right. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. exactly. <laughs> And so I felt like I was looking for the curtain my whole life 
And there was something very sad to me about people believing that that life's about get a house, get a job, get a partner, eke out your existence. It never felt true to me. So as soon as I got this information, I was like, okay, cool. I've been waiting for this. I just got to let everyone know. And then no one gave a shit. And reality was hard. I was a drug addict, you know, and I felt alone, very, very alone. So I started, I uh, tried to... I tried to get back <laughs> to the blue ball light. I made okay. a couple attempts to okay. exit. And what, what, how did, how did you make these attempts? Um, I, I hung myself and, uh, I took a bottle of pills mm. and, um, I remember there being more attempts or I remember saying there were more attempts, but those are the only two I remember. Okay. I don't have a great memory and I, I got Lyme disease in 2020, which really wiped my memory. So this is, uh, who knows at this point, I'm just trying to remember the, the story, but I don't have the memory okay. of the actual events anymore. But um, neither of those things worked. Have you ever seen Russian Doll? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's exactly why. I just like Russian dolled. Um, How do you mean? Um, I woke up from, I hung myself in a bathroom and I woke up, this is a little dark, sorry. It's okay. um, <laughs> I woke up in bed. And I didn't understand timelines. I didn't understand what timelines like were. Like in a new layer of reality? Yeah. Okay. I would now say I jumped timelines. Okay. So now I believe, and I know a lot of people who've had similar experiences, I think that when you try to exit the matrix that way, you uh, may leave the people behind on that timeline. So you might hurt the people that are there, but you don't actually get to leave. Maybe, although I'm not going to test the theory. <laughs> yeah, no, let's not. And that's just my, those are my experiences, but I know several other people who have made real earnest attempts to get out that way. I think that initially I I had an exit because I did everything I had to do and I learned everything I had to learn on that one. Um, but then I signed a new contract. Uh, yes. I entered a new thing and they were like, no, you can't. It's like a new tour of military duty. <laughs> You don't actually get to go anywhere. <laughs> um, so yeah, there are now, now understanding what I do about timeline shifts and stuff. I, I can go, okay, that was a timeline shift. But at the time I was just like, oh, I can't die. Um, so then I, uh, spent months desperately trying to figure out who I was, what this was. I had the sensation that I was something important. Um, I went back to the club and there was, uh, when they turned the lights on at the end of the night, there was, um, a pendant at my, f at my toe that had the goddess Athena on one side and an owl on the other side. And then I don't know anything about anything. I failed every single grade in school. I've, I'm, I have very little information in my head from the world I actually live in. So I asked a, a tweaker what is this? And they said, that's Osiris. And so then I spent years of uh, believing that I must be somehow connected. Well, here's an interesting thing, right? You, you, you may have heard this or not. Owls in the alien contact literature are a classic symbol of aliens and people who have had alien abduction experiences, but then perhaps blocked them out, see owls everywhere. And the theory is that they look like gray aliens kind of. So it's like a repeat, it's a repeating symbol with people who have had that experience apparently. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. A little bit of little tidbit of info. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I feel very connected to owls and there was a little thing where I uh, tried to reanimate one with math, but, um, <laughs> that's just, that's a, that's a story for another day. Okay, okay. Um, so I spent time trying to figure out if, uh, you know, I was Osiris 
it's just that thing, you know, where you wake up and you go, well, there's, there's a mystery here to be solved and you start chasing it in all kinds of, uh, you know, wacky directions. And I developed a lot of supernatural powers, but you know, I was also on meth and I was around people who were on meth pretty exclusively. I was like completely outside of society, which I'm very grateful for. I, at one point felt so desperate to figure out what I was. I applied for a job is I'm living in Portland also. So Portland was like ground zero for, you know, it's ground zero shit. for all kinds of stuff. Yeah. yeah. By the way, have you ever seen that movie spun that came yeah. out? And it, yeah, that what that is, I think like the best depiction of that reality. It was like so yeah. perfect. Yeah. Oof. Just as an aside for people who, who don't know that. Mentality. I feel like spun led a little bit to me getting clean. Cause I oh, watched okay. it towards the end of, there was about five months, I guess, where I was preparing to get clean and I didn't know it. And spun came out and I was just like, God, yuck. That's <laughs> what we are. It's, it's, it's a doing. very good depiction. I think I went to a job interview at a place called worth on earth energy center. And, uh, I, for, um, a intuitive counselor, which is weirdly kind of what I am now. Um, and I got to the interview and I just said, listen, I'm pretty sure I can do whatever this job says, but I, I more or less just need to talk to someone. I need to figure out what is happening to me. And I listed all of this stuff and she said, well, it sounds like you're a walk-in. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, um, and then she explained what a walk-in is essentially. Do you want to maybe explain that for the audience or people who haven't heard that concept? Yeah, I may butcher it, but essentially uh, a person dies and then they hand their life and body over to uh, a, an other dimensional. I feel like higher dimensional leads to this kind of hierarchy shit we're trying to get away from, but uh, another being to take over and use. Um and I, you know, I still, I'm still here, I think, but there definitely was an aspect of me that showed up that is capable in ways that I was never capable and understood and knew things in, in a way that I never knew them. And when I relate back to how my entire life was up until this point, I do feel like I was kind of guided or watched. I, when I was a kid, I, I understood the stars to be an audience and my life to be some sort of TV show. And I showered with the lights off. Like I wouldn't take my clothes off with, with the lights on until I was, you know, an adult. And, um, this all kind of makes sense when I look at it that way. And that, you know, these, whatever this is, I, I, I understand it to be some sort of immersive video game and that this consciousness that wanted to come carry this thing out was like, well, I'm not sitting through 18 years <laughs> of fucking school or whatever. Um, not that I did. So, uh, yeah, that helped a little bit. I finished what we're calling alien school after about five years. Do you know Whitley Stryber? Mm -mm. He wrote the book communion in the eighties, which is where the classic gray alien image came from. They made a movie out of it with Christopher Walken. It was so famous in the 80s. Everyone was reading it. And he was on Larry King. He was a horror writer who wrote the books that actually the movies Wolfen and The Hunger were based on. But then in the mid 80s, he claimed that, no, he actually had been abducted by aliens. And he wrote a book about it. Nobody took him serious because he was a horror writer. And they were like, OK, this is a trick. But no, he was totally serious. Um, and he became kind of like a bit object of fascination and 
slash laughingstock in the 80s. He's still writing books, but I talked to him on his podcast a couple years ago, and it was a really interesting conversation. And he was talking about alien schools and how a big part of aliens he believes is that they do have schools that they're educating people in. And I asked him, okay, but are there competing alien schools? And he didn't have an answer for that. He, I don't think he thought about that before. And he was like, okay, that's actually interesting. Cause I was kind of interacting with him from the occult angle and relating his alien. Cause I haven't had at least traditional type of alien experiences like that, but I was re relating it to occult experiences and talking about things from occult history as well. And there were like a ton of overlaps between some classic occult experiences like those of John D and Jack Parsons with the things that he had experienced and reading his alien contact experiences, they sounded very much not stereotypical. They were very much more like in more occult and interacting with like, he refers to them as dwarves and he would see like hairy aliens that look like something from medieval literature. And it was like very, it's much stranger than people depicted it. But I was like noticing all these overlaps and he, he had not before, cause he's not familiar with the occult literature. So, but I just wanted to bring that in, in, into the conversation because it seems like a lot of the things you're talking about are repeating themes between people who have experiences like this. So for instance, the school, the needing to tell people about it, the higher dimensionality, the collapse of paradoxes or dualities. And uh, just, just pointing that out, it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I think at this point, and I'd be interested to hear what, uh, what your thoughts are at this point, it's like the longer the longer I'm looking at this stuff and talking about this stuff. And, you know, I didn't start publicly talking about it until 2019. I feel like it's all the same shit or it's cause my experience with aliens definitely doesn't resonate with what I think I hear other people talking about aliens. Like I, they're, they're not from another planet. I would say now we're aliens. Like we are, not like we're having a human experience, but this container that we're in is not where we're at. That's what it feels like to me. Like we are, I'm, I'm in a room somewhere with a VR mask on and not that literally, but that's the closest I can come to an allegory for what's happening. And the aliens that I came in contact with were just, I don't know, disembodied spirits, but also there are like now at this point, I can see, I can see anything that's in the ether. Right. So there's all kinds of shit. Walking. Like, like what? Uh, just I, things that look like dinosaurs, things that look like Bigfoot, tall aliens, things with no heads, you know, um, I can, you know, I have to sleep with the lights on because all kinds of things with their heads on fire, you know, very DMT wow. stuff. When I finally did DMT, I was like, oh, this is just kind of what I see running in the background oh, at all times. So it's all here. It's all here. So we're not separate from it. This is why you can't talk about, <laughs> you can't talk about this shit at some point. Cause it's like, it's normal for me, but that's, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm a, I'm an odd case. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I not because it's weird, <laughs> but just cause it's everything, it's everything and nothing, you know, that it, it gets harder and harder to put it into boxes. But 
Yeah, I am. I, I at the beginning thought that I had some grand calling to, uh, w- you know, awaken humanity, and I thought it was going to be some sort of jump cut into utopia, and I thought it mattered so much, and and now I understand why I woke up twenty years before I started talking into a podcast, you know, into a microphone about it. Uh, well, first of all, because I probably would have been telling people to quit their psych meds or something crazy, but you know, I had to grow and mature, but then also develop, I had to expand my capacity to like hold ideas and hold paradox. And that has taken me a really long time. I eventually understood that, you know, I believe that we're going through, I hate a lot of these words now because I don't resonate with a lot of the movements around them, but we're going through an ascension of consciousness. We're going through an expansion of consciousness. We're remembering what we were is my understanding, but that we won't stay there because it's boring. You know, Mm. we won't stay in the blue ball of light. We won't stay in the constant orgasm because it's eventually grading and we enjoy descending into density. We enjoy experiencing our truth as duality rather than polarity, you know? And so it really doesn't matter, which is I find to be very fun. Other people find to be depressing, you know? And I think that's a phase. I think you have to go through the, yeah, I agree. I find it fun as well. I, I think it's interesting. I mean, I went through so many of the same experiences. I think that the whole, I need to save the world phase is probably necessary to motivate you to the point where you at least try and then you get disillusioned obviously, but, but then it's like, well, okay, but you know, you signed up for the job already. So you got to do what you can. Yeah. I mean, now I think like what makes me, well, you know, we're raised on certain myths and we're raised on a lot of saviorism propaganda and we're raised on a lot of good versus evil. That's for sure. And and all that stuff is just hardwired. That's, that's a big, that's a, that's a big issue. I mean, that all that stuff is hardwired into just Western reality, even if you, you know, just normal people, quote unquote, normal people. And that's why for me in my personal life, the Eastern traditions and Taoism and Buddhism and things that are just about, not about crisis and saviors and apocalypses and are just about kind of like achieving a nice vibe forever have been really, really healthy and helpful for me. Yeah. And I think that's kind of just where we are getting, you know, I think we have a real, this is kind of something I've started to push back on myself and, and, uh, and the stuff I take in is like, it's becoming a whole thing now where we're all talking about consciousness. Like so many people are going through these awakenings. They're happening faster and faster. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it used to be a near death experience and then it was kind of like psychedelics would do it. Now I've come in contact with people who are just driving down the street and just clicked. Right. So I think that we are going into a conscious awareness reality. I don't think it's going to last very long, but, um, well, if you look back, you know, it's like, I'm sure you remember the whole 2012 thing. And then everyone was like, Oh yeah. Right. After nothing happened, nothing happened, quote unquote. But it's like, if you look for, if you just zoom out a bit, if you just think about how much the world has changed in our lifetime, even in the last, well, even in the last two years, but even in the last 20 years, even since the nineties, it's like, 
I think that reality now would be pretty unrecognizable even to somebody who grew up with just cable TV and not the internet, you know, like just how much the internet has warped people's minds in so many ways and expanded their minds. And I think that, you know, if you just step back a bit, like we are all objectively speaking, going through this intense consciousness transformation process, whether we like it or not. And people who are blessed enough to be willing to surf and ride the wave and have, you know, and, and I think a lot of people who have had magical new age awakening, ascent, whatever you want to call it, experiences are kind of like the great thing about that is you get a preview. And so nothing really surprises you after that, where everyone right. else is like, oh my God, Trump, Russian propaganda, everything's collapsing. <laughs> I can't control it anymore. I can't like, and it's just, you know, it's like, if you've already been dwelling in the space where you realize everything's empty or everything is duality or everything is like in, you know, in this transformation, whatever, you know, whatever language you put on it, chaos, you know, cosmos in chaos. It's like, okay. You know, it's like, I guess that's concerning, but it's really <laughs> yeah, not, you know, are you so, new here? <laughs> yeah, it's like, have you ever, are you, you ever, just finding out that reality's not real? Even if you, you've, even if you've just like had a few, like a handful of psychedelic experiences, right. you know, you're going to be better prepped for reality as it is, I think. Yeah. No, I really feel sorry for people who've never done acid. Like when 2020 hit, I was like, oh man, I don't know. I'm so grateful for my just loose grip on reality because I think for people who really thought <laughs> reality was real. If you think reality is real, you're going to have a, you're going to have a bad a time. Ride. You're going to have a and hard time. You know, we're in a, we're, we're in the halfway point. I think we're in a, we're in a pretty hilarious landing or whatever the opposite of a landing is taking you, off. You know, that experience where you're like, you're, you've been like tripping for way longer than is comfortable and your <laughs> mind is like, okay, but let me show you one more thing. Okay. But let me show you one more thing. Okay. No, but really this time for sure. Let me, sh- let me show you one more thing. And you're just like, I just want to like, just stop. Like, I just want to at least focus my mind and meditate. It's like, no, 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 this, no, this is the big revelation. Yeah. You got to check this one. This is the final one. Okay. But one more thing, this, yeah. no, this one for real, this is the final one. And like, I think that, um, that is so funny. I, I think that, you know, the whole thing about, I guess, psychedelic means mind manifesting. I think that's what the mind actually is. It's like showing you what your mind is doing anyways. Your mind right. is constantly like yep. trying to get the next thing and it's all total horseshit. Yep. And hopefully from the drug experience, you realize it's like, that is the nature of illusion and Maya and all that. It's your mind doing that jackassery to you, Yeah, you know, but everyone else is like, oh yeah, no, this is totally real. Like I got to like focus on you know, what Trump is doing right now, 24 seven, you know, <laughs> like uh, whatever it is. <laughs> no, it really is. Um, you know, cause the phases of the o- awakening, you know, they go in different orders for different people, but you go through that one phase where you, you realize that you're Jesus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then you're like, you realize, sure. Yeah. I know if you're raised in a Western culture, it's probably going to happen. At some yeah. point. <laughs> you go, Oh my God. It's so cringy. I wonder if it happens Whoa. less. There's, there's, there's so many people talking about it, but when I went, went through, maybe it, we're, we, maybe we are, are all Jesus though. Maybe yeah, Jesus is are. a collective being. We are. Um, I don't read books or anything cause I can't, but, um, do you ever read the golden lake? No. What is that? Um, it's the lady who makes the galactic heritage decks. Um, anyway, I bought the book. My partner reads a lot of books. So I, I bought him this book. And, and one thing that he said was in the book, she describes that when you live a life, you go back to this lake and that your drop of 
of water goes back into the lake and then you come out a different drop. So that's why so many people believe that they are Cleopatra or whatever is because they do have resonance of that drop because you're like kind of a fresh new drop. And I like that description. I like that too. I think there's definitely, I actually see it at this point both ways though. I I used to feel the kind of, cause Timothy Leary said this at one point, it's like, well, everyone's the reincarnation of everybody and we're all collective consciousness. And so you can tap into being anyone at any point. And that really resonated me, with me and made sense for a long time. And I still think that's true to some extent, but I've also had tons of experience experiences where it's like, no, it actually is linear one lifetime to the next lifetime. So yeah, I kind of see it. I kind of see it the, the traditional way now at this point, at least in addition to that linear from one life to the next. Yeah. Like the way you first read about it in books, you know? Interesting. Yeah. I don't know people say time's not real and I I've had a little bit of experience with that, but I am, can't really understand anything until I've experienced it. These concepts, I don't have, I don't have the capacity to hold on to things in my mind. Really. I'm a, um, you know, uh, walking expression of ADHD. So I have to experience things first. It was like 2017. I had just was the first time I ever experienced a timeline shift in real time. And I experienced it. um, I was on stage doing a show and I just saw a walking sidewalk underneath me. And I, I saw it shift to a different like moving sidewalk. And then my entire life was different when I got off of that. Interesting. interesting. Off of that stage. Yeah. Um, I wanted different things and I was walking through the world differently. And then I started ever, to tune into it. Do you ever suspect, I mean, I've had this thought before. It's like, cause I've had somewhat similar experiences or rather someone I know has had somewhat similar experiences on drugs. And, um, I kind of wonder if that stuff is happening to us all the time. It's just that we're not paying attention to it. And if you're in like an altered state of consciousness, like you can see it, or if you're not even in an altered state of consciousness, if you're the type of person that is paying attention to that stuff, you see it. But I kind of think this stuff is kind of happening all the time. It is happening all the time. So I've been sober since I do psychedelic. I don't, I haven't done psychedelics in almost two years, but I, I, um, I was completely sober from 2005 to 2000. I think I did mushrooms once in 2012 and then I didn't do anything again until 2017 And even then it's like a few times a year, I might do psychedelics or I take a long time off. Uh, but I don't drink, I don't smoke weed. And, um, I am very tuned into energy and I get more and more tuned into energy. And I would say that that when people are like, nothing happened in 2012, it's like, well, you think that the material reality is reality and it's not, it's such a small portion of what's actually happening. If you're tuned into energy, you know, that massive things happened. Well, even the material world, I mean, look what it's like people thought something was going to happen on the day of 2012. Yeah. It's like, well, look at the world a year later. Exactly. It's kind of like everyone was like, oh, the world's going to end in 2000. It's like, well, you know, September 11th kind of like changed everything. Right. So it's just right. there's a little bit of a delayed effect there. And I mean, I think you can look back. Um, I, you know, I, I've watched a couple of movies recently that, that show 1968 and the way that their world was changing like crazy and everybody's getting assassinated. And that must've felt like the end of the world. That must've been wild. The sixties must've been wild. But when you look at consciousness and what has happened to consciousness, like ultimately that's, what's changing is the parameters of the game, my understanding, which means nothing, but the parameters of the game are changing the way that we move through the world, the way that we understand ourselves. Look at the world sense. The one that always blows my mind, um, because now that I am 
an aging white man, it is it is the law that I have to start obsessing over World War Two. So <laughs> it's just a thing. It's like it's like getting into grilling or something like that. I don't know. But um, you just look at how the world has changed since World War Two. And it's like, if you think about what people's daily day to day reality was like in World War Two or the Great Depression, it's like incomprehensible. I mean, people's day to day existence in World War Two was just mass killing. Mm. all over the world and it's like i don't think any of us can even conceptualize let alone handle that um and but now you think about like what reality is now with like social media and like you know ridiculous influencers and all of this it's like it's like practically a different planet it is it is very much a different game and i think to some extent it's constantly changing right it's always turning into something else but i think that um yeah, when I think about stuff, how traumatic the those wars were, World War II and Vietnam and stuff, we shit on the boomers, we shit on, um, you know, I'm 45, so I was shitting on the greatest generation. Um, the boomers, I'm a little closer to, to I'm them. I'm 40, but. so. Um, yeah, well, the even the boomers did not, um, unless they got drafted, I mean, they had the experience of, of dealing with social turmoil and riots and trying to deal with Vietnam, but unless they got drafted, which was horrible, you know, that's still not the same as, as world war two. I mean, it's like, I just finished this book, um, bloodlands by Timothy Snyder, who's an expert on, on Eastern European history. And it was really interesting to read in the context of Ukraine. Cause it's just about the, just the level of death that happened in Eastern Europe, Europe in the thirties and forties. And it's just like, it's, un, it's, un, it's like, it's like, I literally cannot compute it. It's unimaginable. Mm. And that was like civilian, like literally everyone was involved in that, um, from the Soviet and the German side is like civilians, like everyone. And, and the scary thing also is like, all that was in some part a war over the Ukraine. Cause that's where the food was grown. So we're kind of right back there. Mm. And, and this is a scary time because you know, it's like, I feel that the boomer generation and Gen X and millennials and whatever the ones after millennials are called have lived in this, just this bubble of utopia, you know, where it's like, yeah, consciousness, exploration, drugs, internet, yeah. you know, jobs <laughs> that really aren't that bad. If you really think about it for half a second and there's enough food to eat, there's refrigerators, you know, and I feel like we could just go back to the way it was before so quickly. Yeah, that is interesting. It, trauma is interesting because you can line it up against, uh, against the trauma of that where you're just in raw survival mode. Yeah. Right. I used to think that when I'd watch the walking dead, I go, oh, these guys have no time to think about the fact that their friend just died right brutally right in front of them. Right. You don't have like, I don't know anything about your historical facts, but I have watched the walking dead. <laughs> I'll use that as a point of reference. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, well, that's kind of the, in, in a sense, it's like, that's the gift of trauma also, or when, when you're in traumatic situations, you can't think about anything except life or death decisions. Yeah. So you don't have to process what you're going through and you're just like, okay, do this, do this, do this that later you have to deal with it. Right. But you know, do you believe we pass that stuff down? Do you believe that we, um, do you believe in like ancestral trauma? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I, I, well, they, that uh, do you know about epigenetics? Yes. My brain always, when I say confuses. no, I don't mean like 
I'm a scientist or anything, but just like I read a Wikipedia about it once. That's what I mean by do you know about it? Okay, yeah, the same. So I read a medium article. Exactly. It's like I, I read on the internet at one point that they, quote unquote, you know, people who know, um, have proven that it's like, yeah, like, like your experiences actually are passed down in genetics because we're constantly changing our genetic code based on our thoughts and our experiences. And that alone is like, that for me is like the refutation of like any negative argument about any spiritual, anything. It's like, well, your literal thoughts are changing your genetic code and are going to be passed down. Right. Right. So don't you think you might want to train your mind? So you might want to train your mind and like, maybe we might want to give the uh, millennials a little bit of a break because I feel like that was the first generation that was like, okay, well at some point there is a massive amount of trauma just being passed down generation, yeah. to generation, to generation. Someone has to start feeling their feelings. Yeah. I thought about that a lot. It's like, that that really is and i think that's a really beautiful point i mean that is probably how the millennials should be viewed it's like somebody at some point has got to be like okay enough is enough because the other thing is like i love how like boomers call millennials snowflakes and then you go back and you look at these videos from 1968 it's like y'all were literally sticking flowers in guns and dressing or you know yeah. dressing ridiculously it's like c- come on it's like okay uh, millennials are not that much of snowflakes you know they, they work hard and you know worry about their student debt and all of that so yeah, I think that the boomers were dissociated and I'm overgeneralizing here because I don't know the actual dates of stuff, but I think that they were about peace and love. And meanwhile, they were, uh, many of them went to war. Many of them lost their friends to going to war. They had trauma after trauma after trauma. You know, they were very invested in those public figures that were getting assassinated and yeah, which does point, not compute to me at all. I don't understand. I feel like any generation after the boomers, it's like the kind of idol worship of people like Kennedy or Martin Luther King, like I guess Martin Luther King, but it's like the level of like fixation that people from that generation have on certain historical figures. It's like, it just doesn't, yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't compute to me. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. I think because we are, we are moving into a, I, I, I believe we are moving into a reality that's not hierarchical. We'll see the collapse of celebrity culture. We'll see the, we'll, every time you pedestalize a guru or a leader or a teacher or a celebrity or whatever, they will let you down. And that is because we are learning that we are part of one organism. But when you have these, you know, when you look back to what the consciousness was at that point, there was still a desire for a new world, but still the category of reason that we need a leader to take us there. We need, it's not us that holds the power. It's, you know, it's, it's this person up here. That just weirds me out. I mean, it it just (laughs) does. It creeps me out. It's like, cause we know now from history, all those people were all fucked up too. You know, and it's just like, it's like this yearning for Jesus or Hitler type thing where it's like, why don't you just focus on what, you know, your, your immediate surroundings. It's also why I I really love the, the podcasting as a medium, because it's about the message of, you know, every medium is its own message. It's podcasting is about conversation between people, right? And it's on an equal level. And that's really, really beautiful as a medium. And I think that's one of the reasons why people like them so much. Yeah, I think that it's a, it's, I feel the same way about podcasting. And I, this is something I love about the internet and social media is it is given, it's kind of become a free for all where the gatekeepers don't get to decide. You know, I don't, we used to have a mainstream because a few people got to decide what everyone saw and what everyone took in and what influenced culture. And, you know, you always had the outliers or outliers, outliers, which one, anyway, that's one of those words I only see in print and then I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, I like that too. Um, 
so things are shifting because we're taking in a lot more uh, perspectives and we got to learn about each other and we got to learn about people that we'd only had propaganda presented to us about before um, who aren't in our immediate environment. And, you know, it's kind of the pendulum has kind of swung the other way where we're, um, you know, using it to uh, scream at each other. Mm-hmm. But I think this is all just a very natural evolution. And I've, I've become annoyingly, cause I usually make fun of kind of love and light stuff. Cause I, I feel like when a lot of like, I'm just love and light, I can feel the rage boiling <laughs> under your throat yeah. chakra. It's you like, know? well, it's like, you just don't want to acknowledge the other side of yourself. It's like, we used to, we used to call them white lighters. <laughs> It's just like, you, you just, and by the way, those are the always, have you noticed those are like the most judgmental people? Yeah. Yeah. They really are. They are, they are, uh, yeah. And it's yet again, the same category of reason. We bring that same puritanical bullshit from religion into spirituality and, you know, yeah, spirituality is just about existing and in, in, it just exists. You just are, you have a spirit, you're spiritual. That's it. Um, it doesn't need to be a performance, but you kind of have to go through these dark nights of the soul to realize that it doesn't need to be, um, a performance, but then the, the, the trick, I guess the joke that I'm finding at the end is that through accepting my shadow and, you know, just being like, okay, I'm a shit bag. It just is what it is. I'm not a great person and it's, and I'm capable of everything I've ever talked shit about. Um, because every time I've ever been like, I would never do that. I end up doing it. And that's really important. I mean, that's so always so uncomfortable, but yeah, it's like, well, but if you don't realize that, then you are dissociated and you are, you, you do fall prey to thinking in that you're different or better than other people or that, you know, those it's like, it's always the people who are completely un incapable of acknowledging their own dark side that are really dangerous. I, I believe that. And I, you know, I, after spending years on drugs for a long time, I didn't trust people who had never done, who were never drug addicts because it's, there's something it, very real about someone who's yeah. seen their darkness, seen their capacity, I agree. robbed their grandmother. I'm not recommending everyone become a drug addict, but, <laughs> no, but no. Um, th- there I is a, there, there is a certain, it's like, it's like when you interact with, you know, sex workers are similar as well. I mean, there are certain pe- people when you interact with society on certain wavelengths, uh, or you have the experience of being outside of society also, um, you, you see things a lot more clearly, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, I have become capable of compassion through making an enormous amount of mistakes where now, um, it has had a, a, a terrible impact on my ability to be funny because I've run out of things to make fun of because the pleasure <laughs> is gone because I used to go, well, that person's stupid. And then it's like, well, actually they are a product of their trauma and conditioning and they didn't get a chance to whatever. And when you look at the boomers shitting on the, the, um, the millennials for being snowflakes, it's because they can't feel their feelings and they're seeing their reflection in the millennials and they long for that. They long to yeah. be able to feel. Well, the feelings. boomers all became stockbrokers in the eighties. So, and they all feel guilty about selling out. I think they feel guilty about selling out and they, they're really, and this is shifting. I've, I've, I know a lot of boomers going through spiritual awakenings, but they're, um, you know, so much of what we, um, project onto each other and inflict on each other is just like propaganda for capitalism or whatever this, yeah, is. It is. whatever this, what is this matrix that we've been in where all of our virtues and our morals 
are, and I talk about this constantly, um, it's so loud to me that our virtues and our morals are just handed to us in childhood. They're indoctrinated into us. And I'm not talking about like, don't have sex before marriage. Don't do drugs. I'm talking about be productive, yeah. push yourself, yeah. b- uh, make yourself do things you don't want to do. Right. You know, and yeah, it's you're, not... you're only as valuable as your, your labor value right. basically. Right. And then they talk, you know, we talk shit about another generation cause they don't want to do that rather than going, Hey, right. we tried to carry that. We tried to collapse this machine and failed go for it. You know, we didn't have the heart space open, so we couldn't do it. And well, if you, but then again, I mean, it's, if, if you think about the boomers compared to their, I mean, their parents were all psychopathic mass killers with no, <laughs> like really, like literally with, with no access to therapy and were all alcoholics with PTSD. Right. Right. And like it, in a lot of countries probably were walking around with like body trauma and like shrapnel in their bodies. So there was an, an improvement was made, <laughs> you know, that's like yeah. a big deal. Like I don't, I don't shit on boomers. We, although, are, we are evolving. I mean, we yeah. are evolving. I am so grateful to be Gen X because I'm just associated enough to not get too beat up in the, in the reality that we're currently in, but also capable of making that, that shift. Yeah. That's a good, I'm, I'm technically what am I? I'm, I'm a exennial. I'm a, I'm a exennial. Yeah. yeah. Which is, which is a good spot to be because I actually remember the world before digital yeah but um i'm i'm close enough to the millennials to be able to make fun of them as one of practically one of them so uh and i understand their experience but i'm like the weird in-betweener but i think gen x definitely the the gen x cynicism and edgelordery and just general distrust of everything is like sorely missed i think like like millennials are so like painfully fucking earnest yeah (laughs) It's just like, just, just, you don't need to try this hard. You know, it's like, it's just like, come on. And then, you know, I actually like Gen Z a lot. Like, I, I feel like there's like a, a I feel like they're a mix of the two. Yeah. I feel like there, there's a lot of space for like the, the Gen X, Gen Z team up against yeah. the millennials, you know, because there's a similar kind of like, just like, you know, like, like, I don't know, like nihilistic cynicism there so but also just very like my understanding of like higher dimensional reality of what's happening is that we're getting more dimensions to ourselves to each individual and that you'll have more I got to find something other than categories of reason to say, but you have more ways of looking at the world. And so, you know, it was just egoic before 2012. These are my notes that mean nothing. Um, And after 2012, there was a mental, like a neural network, a mental network. And one thing that shifted after 2012 that we've now had for so long that people probably wouldn't even realize um, is that after 2012, after that shift in 2012, we began to be able to tell when people were lying through like, uh, feels Mm. like subtext when somebody isn't telling the truth, we began to be more tuned in. We also became more aware of our thoughts, which do you mean just by having a record on the internet or something else? No, just like, um, you know how, when someone's like telling you, I'm going to go do this thing, uh, you know, I gotta, I don't know, like, they're getting ready to leave their partner or something and they're, they're making up bullshit about why they have to do it. And there was like a kind of taking people at face value thing that you just kind of had to go by what people said, unless you were a highly suspicious person. But now you can feel the subtext of what's actually going on. Okay. Um, the way that if you're watching a movie and you know, this is what they're presenting, but you can see the underlying energy. Yeah. Um, 
different than discernment, which showed up later and is still kind of becoming the norm. But there were just shifts that happened in consciousness. Examples, um, you know, rape culture was something we really started talking about, which is something I didn't agree with. At first. I was like, oh, every guy who ever had sex with me while I was passed out is a rapist. Mm. And they were like, yeah, kind of. And then I was like, oh, okay. We started to see things. We started to be able to go, oh, that's kind of fucking insane. You know, we right. started to see past the, the way we had always done things. Um, and then I think what happened between 2017 and 2019 was the, the beginning of the big one, which is the heart space opening. And I personally could not feel my feelings. I literally like couldn't feel them. I didn't feel them. I thought that made me, um, advanced, uh, cause I didn't like the way it felt when other people mm. were feeling their feelings. It felt very messy to me. Yeah. Um, so I was definitely had some spiritual bypass stuff around that cause I, I simply couldn't feel them. And then I had this heart space opening and now when I haven't experienced it, I perceive it through the mental space, but I process it through the emotional space. Okay. And I feel like millennials were born with that. I feel Ye like that okay. generation was born with that, but no support for how to, what to do with it. So hmm. they just ended up balls out traumatized. Cause they have this open heart space in a world where nobody else knows how to do this. So speaking vulnerably to someone being open and honest about your intentions or realizing your role in things or, you know, just animals, nature, stuff like this. I was so cut off from all of this. So dissociated from my body and my heart that I didn't, it's just a whole aspect of awareness that I didn't have aspect, uh, uh, access to. And I feel like the millennial generation brought that in. Yeah. That I feel like maybe it's a, it's a exennial zennial thing as well. Cause I feel like I can pretty easily go back and forth between those and, and always could no, okay. because I had to, I mean, I definitely was always cynical and disassociated and I had to cultivate the heart opening through spiritual practice and psychedelics and long, you know, suffering and all of that. Yeah. But, um, but to be fair, I mean like walking around in an open heart space is sometimes it, it is traumatizing and it's too much. If you don't know, how, you need to be able to know how to turn it on and turn it off, I think. Yeah. Uh, and that is you know, but in the same way, I mean, like everyone who was doing ecstasy in the early nineties and late eighties and things like that, I'm sure went through similar stuff because MDMA puts you in that space where you just love everyone and everything. And then you realize maybe that's not such a good idea. So I can kind of go back and forth between the emotional heart space and like, I don't know, Brad Easton Ellis mentality, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so, and I feel like that's a good thing. Cause you, some, you know, you need different tools for different situations. Yeah. I feel like it's the art of the toggle, right? It's, yeah. it's like now we have, cause now I also have body awareness, which I didn't have until I got Lyme disease where now through that journey of getting my body back in balance. And after being, uh, sick for over a year, I learned that my body has truth. And that for me personally, my body should be making the call. And so it's, it's this like finding all these different aspects of ourselves. So we're not just living life through the ego. I don't, I don't believe in killing the ego or, or yeah. trying to cut it off. Um, but rather seeing all these things as awareness centers 
and learning the art and I'll let you know when I figure this out, but learning the art of the toggle. So I, you know, a lot of times it's like, Oh, I'm bringing my head to the heart party. Oh, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm working through conflict with my partner. This is time for the heart space. Yeah. This is time for vulnerability. Um, I'm trying to get my taxes done. Let's not be in the heart space. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I think, and, and for me, this really is the value of, of real spiritual practice as well, where I, I kind of look at things from an engineering perspective as well, where it's just the more tools you have in your toolkit, whether those are psychological or spiritual or meditative or whatever it happens to be energetic work, uh, yoga, even, you know, um, even exercise, right? Those tools all allow you to have options. And when you have options, you can approach each situation and say, okay, what is, you know, what am I going to choose for, for this? Because, you know, it's like when you're in a relationship with somebody, you want to be as non-reactive as possible, right? And just have like space for them to express their feelings without reacting and without engaging in conflict. But, you know, there's lots of places where you don't want to, you don't want to do that. You need to have a thick skin and you need to be a little bit fight or flight. It's like, I was, you know, I was just talking to my friend, um, a couple days ago. It's like the thing about PTSD and trauma is, people with PTSD are much more likely to survive traumatic or, you know, it's like, P, like tr PTSD is, a, is an adaptive reaction, right? Your, your fight or flight is keyed up for a reason. It's to keep you alive. The tricky part is turn is the, the art of the toggle, as you're saying, like turning it on and off. So, you know, for me, it's all about having tools and options for how to approach different situations and then just being able to cultivate self-awareness, particularly through meditation. So you can kind of at least like have like a second or two where you step back and meta think about where you are so that right. you can make a clear decision about instead of just reacting. And for me, it's like at this point, it's funny because like 20 years ago, point of spiritual uh, practice, awakening all the universe point, like point, <laughs> point of spiritual practice for me now. Like I, all I want, Oh Lord, Lord, all I want is one more second of reaction time, you know, in between stimulus and response, you know, <laughs> seriously, uh, I just want to stay in my body at target. That's really, right. like, where I, I want to get through a, a sh target shopping trip without dissociating. Have you been getting into, uh, um, I can't believe the stuff I get into now. Um, nervous system work. At yeah. All? Yeah, for sure. Um, and in fact, I, I, I taught a course on my, my, on magic.me, my school called alchemy of chaos, where I really thought about this and I kind of came to the conclusion that when you really reductively boil down spirituality, like ultimately what these techniques, when you take out all the religious language, and all this, what we're looking at with these techniques like meditation, yoga, ritual, prayer, all of that are, these are all techniques to get, um, you know, to switch between your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. Mm. So to get out of fight or flight, because if you really think about, you know, people who are monks who meditated for 20 years, it's like, well, what are they, you know, in real terms, I'm not saying all the other visions and religious stuff is not real. I'm just saying like, if you really were to be as reductive as possible, which I think is at least a useful exercise, what are they really in real world terms able to do? And the obvious answer is they're able to stay out of their fight or flight response at will. Right. Which is like, if you really think about that for a second, it's like, it's not just that that's valuable. That's everything. It's every, I mean, it's truly yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, you know, right now, I think that I like that thing you said about PTSD being, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I believe we're living through the apocalypse. I don't, I don't think the, you know, not Armageddon necessarily, but that we are the unveiling. Yeah. you know, has the potential to be pretty wild. Yeah, we have for we, we, we have for since the the 1600s, I think. I mean, the apocalypse is a long, drawn out process. Yeah. How long do you think we do this? About 700 more years. Wow, really? And I won't mention my sources, but yeah. Interesting. Hindu gurus. Interesting. Yeah. Do you think there's something pretty pivotal coming in the next 10 years? Or you think it just... I think we just went through something unbelievable, unbelievably pivotal. I think we'll be processing uh, even just COVID for the, you know, and for the, the rest of the decade. Yeah. I think that's probably enough to chew on for now, knock on wood, hopefully. But um, if Putin drops a nuke... Like that's going to be yeah, pretty pivotal. Be some work. Yeah. There'll be, some be, work be, to be, you know, we'll have to stop and think about that for a second. Yeah. Yeah. I don't necessarily think through the, so much through the lens of the physical reality okay. as okay. much as I used to. And by used to, I mean like seven months ago. Um, I, I feel pretty zoomed in and focused on what's happening to consciousness because I think what's happening to consciousness okay. is like, the physical reality is a reflection of what's happening inside of us, right? So if the masses are, you know, uh, a feeling a certain way, that's that that's what will then happen in reality. Yeah. And I, I think just because of the kind of the content that I do and then the work I do, I, I do sessions sometimes where I'm like helping people through uh, awakening stuff, and I'm seeing a ma I'm seeing a mass mass awakening just in okay. the in this small group of people that I am coming in contact in, with in I'm what seeing way? a huge shift in perspective just people who are like stone cold atheists then waking up one day and being like oh shit just awareness why do you think that is um I think that we're I think that we're waking up I don't know sometimes I think I'm in a coma and that this is a dream and you're part of my dream and that the reason that my whole life is about awakening is because I'm trying to come out of a coma and sometimes <laughs> I think that we are AI and the reason that we're yeah. also paranoid about AI is because our makers are trying to get us to go back um, the other way. <laughs> so Could be. and then recently I have uh, been playing with the idea that the entire world is run by microbes and yeah, that, that could be very real for th sure. That NPC thing that people talk about. I don't yeah. I don't want to reduce humans to not being characters. So I, I, I shy away from that now. But like um, something that was striking when I had Lyme disease was uh, it just took over my brain. It took over my brain in a way that I believed I was the the parasite. Whoa. And my parasite, because uh, Lyme is like a spirochete or something. Oh, I see. Yeah, different. yeah. So um, you know how there are certain toxoplasmosis does this. Maybe there are certain parasites that um, will make it an insect or an animal basically commit suicide. Like cor so it cordyceps. Can get to a new host, yeah, right? cordyceps. Yeah, yeah. Right. So um, there. That's that's my response to anyone that thinks nature is beautiful and all flowers. <laughs> it's like look up cordyceps. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you have, um, everyone's got microbes, right? So you're just a planet. This is what I learned when I was getting, uh, getting rid of Lyme, which is not easy, is that you're, I'm a planet for microbes. And what happens, uh, for people who get like past acute Lyme disease is that, um, there, it's just a tipping point. I hit the tipping point of the good things, good things and bad things. The oh, things that want to be in a symbiotic relationship with me, like the, th the, the probiotics and my digestion and the things that are just like, we're going to dumb you down. We're going to turn you into a host so that we can have our reality. 
And when you look at everything in our reality, it's so parasitic. There's so many parasitic. We are parasitic in our codependent relationships. Capitalism is parasitic. We're kind of waking up to how parasitic everything is. Um, and when you when you look at it, and this is just a, a, th a thought experiment. You know, I like to look at all the different ways that reality could be, and I think they're all valid. But um, who benefits from the food being kind of fucked up? Parasites. Who benefits from the medicine being not hmm. wildly effective parasites who benefits from abortion being illegal they need hosts uh, um interesting who benefits from every being everybody being kind of dumb you know because there is <laughs> definitely that there's like there's an agenda to make everyone dumb so i'm playing with this idea that there is a, there is a a microbial hive mind okay and uh, what we call asleep or not aware or what unawakened, whatever the fuck that zombie thing is that people are just being used as hosts. And so yeah. the microbes are, are ex getting to experience reality through the eyes of the zombie that they've taken over. Most people, when they go through an awakening, do a parasite cleanse. Okay. They go down that rabbit. hole. I know so people who have hole. gone down that rabbit hole. That's such an unhealthy, yeah. like it's just, I think there, there, I mean, there is a condition called delusional parasitosis. And, oh really? Oh yeah. Where people just think that they're, I mean, it sounds kind of tweaky, you know, where yeah. they, they get kind of tweaky and they think there's, there, there's parasites all yeah. over. Um, but you know that I mean, you probably know this, there are more bacteria and non-human microbes in a human body than human cells. Yeah. So what's up with that and we also know that you know they're now discovering all this stuff about like consciousness has a lot to do with with uh, intestinal intestinal microbiome mm -hmm. you know it's like probiotics in your digestion system and that's all the stuff that we've been killing with antibiotics and mm -hmm. and 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 eating pasteurized you know sanitized food and all of this stuff so people are kind of trying to figuring that out I th i've thought a lot about this actually i think um well, another thing that I've thought about is particularly with magic, you know, it's like when you do rituals and you're talking to spirits and gods and things like that, or maybe even a better example is like the DMT experience. You know, what you're experiencing on DMT, maybe it's higher dimensions or maybe you're seeing the inside of your cells. Yeah. You know, like yep. it, maybe you're just going further within and... You know, obviously you can make the, the hermetic argument. It's like, what's the difference between further in and further out? You know, they're really the same, which I believe. But um, but for me, it's like, that's really interesting. I and the So here's the other thing that I, I, I've thought about. The, the, the converse argument to that is, okay, well, what in that when you're defining things as parasitic or non-human, well, what is the human component of that? And the, the answer would be what is produced by DNA, but DNA is all DNA on planet earth is the same. It's the same DNA. It's just like, it's like a deck of tarot cards that get shuffled differently for each organism. It's just, they move around the sequence, but oh, it's the wow. same DNA. One DNA produces all the life on earth. So I've also thought about you know, Francis Crick, even who was one of the people who discovered DNA on acid, by the way. Um, wrote a book in the early eighties where he gave the hypothesis that DNA, there was probably some DNA on an asteroid or meteor asteroid, some bit of space rock that landed 
on earth and just it took that one bit of dna getting into contact with water something like that and it just produced all of this like the black goo and prometheus and that that's pretty satisfying to me yeah but then i don't know enough to say but like you know it's like well does that also include microorganisms microorganisms like bacteria i mean is it theoretically all the same thing that's not even getting into like mitochondrial rna which is basically a parasite that lives within dna that is passed down from the mother's side that we don't even really understand what it does yeah and yeah without getting into upsetting arguments about rna modification which i will (laughs) you want this on youtube don't you (laughs) yeah um i'll leave it at that uh these these are I mean, these are, these are interesting to think about what is consciousness really? Yeah. Yeah. I could do it. I could do it all day. And to, to bring it back to the conversation that we had earlier, cause I go on so many tangents that I never finish a thought. Me too. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that the reason that I experience them as aliens is because that's what, that's just what my consciousness was, um, aligned with that was a myth or a metaphor that I would resonate with. I mean, I was not into aliens before that, but I think that there was a part of me that felt alien my entire life that didn't feel like from here. So this, this consciousness, which I'm not sure isn't just me from the future or an aspect of myself showed up and was like, we're not from here. And it it made me feel like, okay, I'm not from here you know, where other people communicate with fairies and, and maybe it's because they feel more grounded to earth and, and they, they feel this, but maybe it's all the same shit. Maybe none of it's real. Maybe all of it is story. And I'm really okay with that. I'm also okay with this just being schizophrenia because <laughs> I think that if you are born, you know, I, I've, I've said this a million times, like if you're born a Mormon and you die a Mormon, Mormonism is real for you. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if the rest of us are like Joseph Smith was a Yeah, and at this it point, it's matter. like, you know what? Maybe they have a few things figured out. Look at the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably not, but like... Probably, I, probably not. I'm just saying like... It's as, not as my as a, reality. <laughs> there's a website called Mormon Leaks that is extremely disturbing. I just mean just as a, as a rhetorical point about yeah. like who's really got it figured out. Yeah, no, I did. I uh, I did a podcast with a Mormon for... Or an ex-Mormon oh, okay. for a while. So I'm, I'm pretty hip too. Yeah, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty, pretty wacky. Pretty wacky. It's pretty, it's pretty standard made up stuff. But for the people who are in it, it's real for them. And I, I don't know. That's, a, that's, it's that stupid cliche thing where it's like the more you learn, the more you realize like you don't yeah. know. And what a comfort it is to be like, yeah, I mean, if you go back, I mean, there's now like what, five years of me talking um, into microphones, you hear me, uh, rehash a lot of the stuff I said here today, but then you also hear me hold like really harsh, like not harsh, but like rigid ideas that I've released over time. Okay. My Patreon is this like years long, uh, journey further and further into paradox, honestly, and to the great. point that it's hard to talk into microphones sometimes because I want to contradict myself which I think is the the fun of it. And if That's I am great. nuts... You shall know truth by its paradox. It's the only way to express truth. Right. I think it's subjective. I, I don't think there's anything's real. Nothing's a fact. Everything's subjective. If you... And that, it, it, that, that utopia would be everyone expressing their honest paradox, their honest perspective while being able to allow... Yeah. Hold the paradox of a perspective. They yeah, that's perfect. With. 
I sometimes think about that, you know, it's like the, the 2012 stuff or the Buddha, it's like, well, the Buddhists have been saying forever. It's like the point of consciousness is to understand the interconnection of all beings and the fact that we are all mutually interconnected and in, independent. And that this is a team sport, not about the, the divergent individual and, but you know, not in some fascist, fascistic collective way, but just in the sense that like understanding everything is connected. Consciousness is all connected. You right. know, it's like, I don't know if you ever had an experience of like taking or an organic substance, maybe mushrooms. And it's like, you feel like you're talking to like trees or fungus. Yeah. And it's like, well, you are, you're ingested that. And now it's representing itself to you in this methamphetamine is really interesting because it's, a, it's, it's a synthetic chemical, chem, chemical. It's a, God damn it. it's a <laughs> synthetic chemical. And it's like this totally synthetic non-human state of consciousness. Um, or it can be a ketamine can sometimes be similar and not yeah. similar, but some of these, some of these classes of drugs feel Maybe that's not your experience. I don't know. It feel like very machine-like and synthetic. That's but. really interesting. I it's hard for me because I had a very positive experience with. My, I mean, I lost my teeth, but like I had a very positive experience with it. However, I would never recommend that anyone yeah. else do it because I knew a hundred people, and none of them, none of them would tell you. Right. Maybe one would say, I'm glad I did that. They yeah. lost their lives. They lo They went to print. You know, I think for me, I grew up to, my mother was a math addict. I had a lot of trauma there. And I think in order for me to ever traverse, um, what felt like a mother that hated my guts and was, hmm. uh, very mean. You to had me, to understand. I had to go do, yeah, I had to that, retrace that makes those sense. steps. That makes and sense. then I think I had to be outside of society. And I think I had to be in an environment that was very free to, um, to do that. And I'm fortunate that I did it pre fentanyl. So I, my life wasn't in danger right. like it is now. So I am absolutely not an advocate of it, but for me, and this just occurred to me recently. Yeah. Fentanyl's like in everything. Fentanyl's like even in acid now, it's in right? Everything. It's literally yeah. in everything. Like, not, I would not touch drugs at all anymore. I'm glad that I'm all. also glad that I went through that phase Test long them. ago. Yeah. Definitely tested the least. I wouldn't trust anything at this point. It's, yeah. it's just really tragic. No, it is really, it's really fucked the amount of friends I've lost to that shit. Um, that's too bad. Yeah. So I think, it, yeah, you know, I, I was yeah. on psychedelics basically for, it's basically what it is. I mean, that's what it feels like. It's a very psychedelic. I've experience. heard people about people putting fentanyl on mushrooms. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. The conspiracy theorist in me is like, what is that about? Because it doesn't make sense. If you're putting in opiates, that Unless it's just really can kind of people. make sense. I don't typically, Oh, you know, yeah. It's like, not great to kill your customer base. That's not typically the. Well, to be fair, I mean, like drug dealers are sometimes not the brightest people in the world, but yeah, not yeah. the sharpest tool in the shed. Yeah, so um, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a part of me that just doesn't. It feels like it's it's maybe part of a different thing. Well, if you look at OxyContin, you know, it's like they they just sued the Sackler family. Um, successfully although of course since they're rich they got out of it i mean like they've proven there was basically the purdue pharmaceutical that made oxycontin knew they were going to kill everyone in the heartland of america with heroin did you watch dope so, sick no yeah it's about that um i had to i could only watch like half of an episode at a time i would be so angry um i it's it's dark but it's it's worth watching it's um, it's about that or it's, yeah 
That's the story of that, of that drug. That's like when I was using and when I got clean and when I got clean, I moved across the country and was in recovery with only, um, you know, opioid, opioid addicts. They didn't have meth addicts where I moved. And so we didn't fuck with each other too much on the streets. There was kind of like, um, parallel communities, but tweakers kind of stuck with tweakers. It's and tribal. Junkies kind it's of stuck with junkies. Yeah. 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 Um, and then we got, uh, you know, we're going two different speeds, but occasionally you needed yeah. to get together to, to do something. But then I got clean and that was all my friends and I've lost so many more friends in recovery. Hmm. Um, then, and it was at the, it was at the height, not the Is it height because they, they, they relapsed, but then that yeah. there's fentanyl. Yeah. That's really tragic. I've, I've lost several friends to, to drugs, unfortunately. Um, overdoses too. Cause fentanyl is yeah. relatively recent. I mean, I've been, I got clean yeah, me 20 as well. years ago now, but I actually luckily knock on wood. I don't think I've lost anyone to fentanyl, but overdoses, uh, but I could be wrong. Um, did you read William Burroughs at all? Like no, I naked lunch read. or anything like I'm that? I'm like dyslexic and I have okay. ADHD. So I like, sc- I like scan the, the index sometimes and look for words that I might really want to read about. And then I read like a paragraph and then I, then I forget that I read it and I think I made up the idea okay. a little bit later. I'm a plagiarist an an accidental. I only, <laughs> I only bring it up because he obviously was a heroin addict and, and a magical thinker and he wrote so much about heroin and he talked about, you know, the, the clear view that addicts can have of society. And he talked a lot about, you know, it's like all these people are like judging addicts, but it's like the whole, our whole society is a pyramid of drug dealing. Yeah. It's like the pharmaceuticals are drug dealers, the whole thing. And I, I've thought about this more a lot and you know, I, I get a little dark downloads sometimes, sometimes <laughs> all the time. Um, I can't, I realized recently, this is all alleged, but I realized it's like, I was really thinking it's like when we withdrew from Afghanistan, it's like, why were we really in Afghanistan? Why were we really in Vietnam? Was it really about oil? Was it really about politics? Cause like the whole thing about when we went to Iraq was like no blood for oil. And I'm like, what, you, oddly enough, Afghanistan and Vietnam are the two biggest heroin production, uh, opiate, gr- opium growing centers yeah, on like the, the planet. Poppy, right? Yeah. That's yeah. where all the opium in the world is grown. Huh? Why is Afghanistan? Why have both of those places been a sub, a, you know, object of Imperial contention for forever? Where did all that opium that made all that Oxycontin come from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I don't trust any, I don't trust billionaires and I don't trust uh, anyone in authority. I, I don't. So I just, yeah. I just assume. So you're saying it's like, well, you don't want to kill your customer. It's like, well, unless you do, it's like, unless there's something else going on. Yeah. And I was, I was, I mean, I think if you can make a bunch of money, uh, while they die, you and know, then get and then the land out. afterwards, Yeah, which is the real wealth. I, yeah. Like I was watching a thing on you know, even not like my, my whole thing that I recommend to people is like, don't read conspiracy theories, read history. Cause it's way darker. <laughs> it's like, there's way, it's way more fucked up and it's all real. You know, it's like, it's like literally, it's like, like, I'm not an anti-conspiracy theory person. I'm just like, just graduate to the actual facts. Cause I promise you they're way worse. <laughs> they're way worse. Like, it's just like the history of humanity is the history of people like fucking each other over in new and creative yeah. ways. So like, but like going back to like, cause I was thinking about that and I was like, well, also the whole thing about like, you know, we have this, this category of cartels and narco states now it's like, Oh, well, you know, Colombia is a narco state. Mexico's a nar- parts of Mexico are narco states. It's like, well, why are we different? Like, are we different? Like, I don't know. And, and like, I was even looking back, like I just came to the conclusion. It's like America's a drug cartel. 
you know. Yeah, we're not great. And I, you know, I, uh, it's kind of cringy to me how, yeah, I feel like a lot of propaganda about like how it's different. It's not. Nothing's, it's not. Humans are humans. And I'm not, I, I don't know a lot about stuff, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, yeah, I don't know. I feel like we live in a propaganda. Absolutely. Um, well, it's, it's propaganda is another form in yourself. Propaganda is another form of junk. You know, it's like it's another form of narcotic to give people. I think that we live in a narcotized culture. And obviously the, the wonderful thing about narcotics is people administer them to themselves and people are narcotized with drugs. They're narcotized with the news. They're narcotized with propaganda. They're narcotized with pharmaceuticals. They're narcotized with porn and video games and like all this stuff that they consume all day long. And I was looking back when I started thinking about this, because I really started thinking about this after Trump was elected and thinking about Oxycontin. Um, but like the 19th century, right? It's like the opium war, the British literally rolled up on the coast of of China and just unloaded opium into the whole country to get everyone junked out so that they could take over the country. That's historical fact. You know, it's like, wow, you think that just stopped in the 19th century? Interesting. It's kind of like how spiders, do spiders do this and scorpions, like how um, certain species like numb you out yeah yeah that's they, a good, that's interesting take you out that's interesting that's, you know like my favorite is the tarantula wasp which we have here oh God, that okay I'll, I'll leave it at that <laughs> no, it's yeah okay. it's the worst you people can wikipedia it on their back own to 2016 <laughs> facebook oh god it's the worst it's is the, that worst. the worst bug i hope so i it hope there's be. nothing worse than that but we have them here i've seen <gasps> them so fucking creepy synchronicity yeah wow. i've seen them on my porch they have them here? Yeah, tarantula wasps. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, stay away. No, thank you. Because we have tarantulas here. Yikes. Yeah, I think those were the basis for the movie Alien, if I'm not... Oh, really? Yeah, which makes sense. Wolf. People can look that up on their own. We've I don't want to go down here. there. Yeah, well, We've it's... Covered, yeah. I think Dark Downloads <laughs> is a great... <laughs> that's 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 <laughs> the, that's, that's the, That'll be the name of my autobiography, Dark Downloads. Yeah. I, uh, I had a dark download about the boomers recently also. And I, I, uh, maybe, maybe we should come to a close before this gets too dark. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, and I'm not like anti boomer, obviously it's like what I said before about the boomers, like kind of like putting in end. you know, it's like, it's, if you look at the boomers and the millennials in, in sequence, what I, okay. How do I really feel? I don't think that the, in terms of consciousness as far forward as we're going and making advances, it's just like people, we also have to come to grips with what has gone on before. We can't clean break with it. We've got to right. process. And that's all that the concept of karma and processing karma is about. And that's something that I'm pretty focused on. It's like, and you can see the millennials are, you know, are focused on. It's like in sequence, the boomers and the millennials were very much, if you consider what happened in the thirties and forties, it's just like, and compared to where we are now, we've made so much unbelievable good progress. It's like, you really cannot knock anyone. Right. On the other hand, <laughs> I do have, I have the dark, I have, I have like my, my light side and dark side versions of history. So, um, here was my, my dark download about the boomers, the, the boomers parents, but this is specifically about the U S the parents of the boomers in the U S literally waded through the killing fields of Europe, murdering people, and then dropped two atomic bombs on Japan and America essentially took over the entire planet and held it hostage mm. at 
by putting a gun to its head in the form of a nuclear weapon and was like, literally, if any of you get out of line, we are going to annihilate you with nuclear weapons and everything that you're, you're just erase your entire culture from the map. And it's so much the fact that we're like, we're so crazy. We're willing to destroy the entire planet and all life if we have to go there. And and just like think of the collective trauma from that. Now we get to experience it again because now it's back on the table. But just like we, the America was just like, we will literally t- kill you all and take you down with us if you just wink at us. And what did the children, like the baby boomers as a result, were the richest generation in world history. That's why they could go run around and do all their shit. They had a, the safety net of being the richest generation in world history. And that safety net was built for them by mass murder and annihilation of whole civilizations. And what did they do to celebrate this? They spent several years dressing up like the people the Americans genocided in the first place to get here. Yikes party wow yeah were they really protesting or were they partying being on top of the social heap and it's just kind of like if you really think about how dark that is it's like your parents murdering everyone and and winning and then you dressing like the people that a few generations back genocided it's kind of like walking around with heads on poles yeah, I mean, that's just America in a nutshell, right? I mean, that's how <laughs> that's we didn't my dark start dance. that in the 30s and 40s. I mean, that's that's like what it's based on. And I do believe that we're in a reckoning of that right now. You know, we're in the Pluto return. I, I okay. And I think that that's why we're being forced to face a lot of this that like I didn't. I'm like really, I didn't pay attention in school. And so I, I don't have a, I, I love getting around people that have all these facts i'm I'm full (laughs) of i'm full of random bullshit random dark bullshit yeah but there's a lot of spin man a lot of a lot of uh like a pr campaign i feel like we've we've been raised in a pr campaign and yeah it's really interesting when uh our government like projects it onto other places i think we're realizing that we've yeah this is our well to be fair i mean like like other places have been worse than us but we're pretty bad yeah and it's it's i feel like everything is pointing to everyone is doing the best they can with what they've got which is, is, is hard to believe when we're talking about this sort of stuff but i think that we my belief is that we go in and out of phases of consciousness like um Oh, my partner has a good name for this, but I can't ascension and dissension. And when we okay. descend, we descend and we, and, and we see the, the worst of what humankind is capable of. Yeah. And I do believe that it, we're coming out of it. I don't know how long we'll stay out of it, but that they're, you know, part of coming out of it is looking at it, like looking at it and making amends and, and choosing Hopefully. not to do that anymore. And yeah. that's what a lot of this chaos right now, I think the, the reason that we're facing so many things that we feel like we faced before is we are being given an opportunity to clear that karma, you know, to um, clear that trauma, uh, uh, face it, own it, and do something differently. Yeah. And this just definitely, I mean, to me, this feels like a few really kind of chaotic years and then consciousness kind of pulls us. Up I, ag- I agree with you. That Maybe that's a hopeful place to, to end. I was thinking about this a few <laughs> days ago where I was like thinking about like everything that's happened since 2016. It's like, 
just like the fascism that has happened and like things like this, it's like as fucked up as it has been and as annoying as, 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 as it has been from all corners of just people like wigging the fuck out. It's like, what if it actually had been what people said it was going to be? Like, there's no comparison. And, and I think that probably what we've seen, I hope, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But I mean, I think we're hopefully seeing like a positive immune response instead of the thing. Cause like you can look at the forties. It's like, there was no immune response to that. And that's right. what happened. And now it's just like this annoying fucking phase of just like shit, but that's, that's better than it, you know, it, it totally taking hold. Yeah. And I think these systems, we experience them, they, uh, outwore their purpose. And what we have had in the last really hard eight years is starting to look at these systems and go, what are these for? Yeah. What are we doing? Like the school system, like the medical system, all of these, what are we we doing here? What is this for? And we were never going to do that if it didn't, the shit didn't hit the fan. We were never going to do that if we didn't see behind the curtain. And so now I feel like everyone's seen behind the curtain. I feel like we're just now starting to truly kind of come out of the trauma of the pandemic. Now, whether or not it's still going on, I don't know, but the trauma of that collapse, a lot of trauma and, um, and start to go, okay, well let's, this shit's not working. This shit is, is, is for something. I used to love to say red pilled and then it became a QAnon <laughs> that thing. That was the worst thing about QAnon is it took so many it, it, good it, metaphors it, yeah, and yeah. just, and just, they, they were, they ruined shit. the party. Yeah. 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 They truly did. It used to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, spiritual people are creative. We, we got to come up with new no, stuff. I'm constantly having to like reinvent the, reinvent the vocabulary. But, um, yeah, I'm very hopeful. I'm very hopeful purely based on people are becoming self-aware. They are waking up. I don't define waking up as believing in aliens or Arcturians or, or being able to channel your guides. I define it as being aware of like, how do I participate in this thing? You know, my projections, me understanding my projections Mm, and the way that I project my reality. That's a good definition. Is impacting the reality. Me me talking to aliens does not have a tremendous impact on the reality. I mean... It's had a, it's had a tremendous impact on podcasting for me, but well, it, it probably has an effect on that level of reality because I think that also even at the in, certainly in my experience in my experience and the other other thing is like like I teach this stuff so I interact with hundreds and hundreds of people who are all going through these experiences and like the shit lines up. It's not that different from person to person. Right. The themes are consistent and whether that's through cultural programming or what or you know you know whatever it is, it's like you know, it's like as a teacher, I can like reliably predict this is where you're at. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen next. And this is what you should not do. And it's pretty like cut and dry after a certain point of just observing so many people. And, um, so I think as part of that, it's like, even when we're talking about the realms of psychedelics or visions or, uh, dreams or quote unquote astral or things like this. It's like, like that stuff is a shared space as well. It's just like the internet. We're all interacting with that together. It's not just in your head. It's in everybody's head. I think that's my view on it at least. Yeah. I agree with that. So what we do in our own thinking even matters, you know, thoughts or things. Um, look at, look at 
the effect of mass acid consciousness in the 60s. Yeah. You know, people were not all over the map on different places there. They were all having, I think, similar experiences and listening to Bob Dylan and being like, yeah, man, Dylan's really putting it down for the youth of today. The war is not where it's at, man. And they were like, <laughs> like I can't. they were like all having the same experiences. And now it's like, you know, my, now you do acid and it just feels like sleazy and wrong. You know, it's like because because it's like even those spaces have been like colonized and strip mauled, I think. Yeah. But but uh, strip mauled acid. Yeah. One one of my favorite things is like, like I've mentioned this before. It's like you can really tell a lot about a period of time by what drugs people were doing and you can tap into how they were thinking by doing that drug. So like when I first started doing like psychedelics, I was like, Oh, this is what all those hippies were on about, you know, like, Oh yeah. Like didgeridoo probably does sound good now, you know, like yeah. that type of thing. But then it's like, like I had an interesting experience where I was like at a bar watching Saturday night live and people, or excuse me, um, Saturday night fever and like people dancing around and like, leisure suits with medallions on their hairy chest and stuff like that and just acting like ridiculous and i was like you know what this actually probably made perfect sense on quaaludes <laughs> this probably was like this like yeah it, it was probably great on quaaludes you know they were sweating a lot so they needed spandex it's like you know yeah they I think wanted about to that, dance the, like gumby the madman era with with alcohol yeah i feel the same way yeah yeah well i'm gonna pee my pants so. okay Okay. Where can people find out more about, about you and your work and, and any podcasting plans you may or may not have? Um, so I'm, I'm uh, about to start a new podcast. It's, I'm not announcing what it's called yet or, or anything about it yet, but, um, my, I have many abandoned projects on the internet. Uh, awakening OD is my most recent. I still have a couple more episodes of that that are going to come out allegedly. Uh, before that I did soberish, which ended up just kind of being a live journal of me publicly starting to talk about this stuff. It's kind of cringy that any of the older stuff is out there. Cause I feel like I've jumped a million timelines. Um, since then, if you go to jessery.com, you can keep up with stuff I'm doing. I sometimes do sessions. I have a Patreon. I have stuff, you know, that I, should probably just delete. But um, yeah, I think that Jessery comedy on Instagram, I deactivate that account on a regular basis. Um, Jessery on TikTok. I just was trying to start making TikToks. I don't like the energy of that app. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel, yeah, I don't have time to get into it, but yeah, it feels, um, feels like the metaverse. Or it feels like people are being forced to make TikToks. <laughs> is the energy nope, nobody is going to force me to do funny dances. God damn it ever we did it all right well thank you so much for being on yeah. a, a live podcast Thanks for having me all right all right hope you really really like that don't forget to check out our free meditation it is at start.magic.me start.magic.me hundred percent free and will manifest all your wildest dreams, hopes, and fantasies in this life, in this week. Enjoy it. I'll see you in class.